morning, LifePoint. How's everybody doing? That's what I like to hear. You guys hear me? Okay. So my name is Justin Major. I'm one of the elders here at LifePoint. Uh, I'm honored to share the message for week three. Uh, so far, it's been really good. The, the concept, it's your move. Uh, really, here at LifePoint, we talk a lot about uh, we're not waiting on a move of God. We are a move of God. The visual for that, I've heard several, I don't know which older pastor to attribute it to, but uh, sometimes Christians are leaning on shovels praying for God to make holes. And that's not what we do. We are the move of God. So Pastor Alex kicked it off with the first week. Uh, it's your move. Step into your future. And then, uh, like she said, Lucy did an amazing job last week of it's your move moving forward. God calls us to move, and then it's our move to, to move forward. This week, I'm excited to talk to you about how it's your move onto God's path for your life. So that's really the ultimate qu question, right, that we're faced with. It's, what does God want me to do? Many of the times we're willing, but we just don't know the answer. Like, what do you have for me? What, what is the next step? Uh, working with the youth, especially that 15, 16, 17-year range, uh, there's a lot of questions, right? Where to go to college. And some of that's our fault because we're sitting there constantly ever since a young age. What do you want to be when you grow up, right? So they're, they're battling with that question of like, what, what does God want for me? What should I do? Does anybody remember the old game, Shoots and Ladders? Okay, so I, I remember playing on a board. It, it used to be Snakes and Ladders. Uh, that's a new version of it. Um, actually, fun fact, it originated in, that game itself originated in Asia, specifically India, in the second century AD, right? So it's 2 AD. Like, it's a super old game. Um, but basically, you're moving, there's a bunch of squares, you're moving all the way to try and get to the end at the top, and as you're going, you have these ladders. If you land on the bottom of a ladder, you get to move to the top. But if you land at the top of one of the chutes or the slides, it takes you all the way back down. And that's no fun. I think sometimes for us, those negative setbacks, the negative chances, leave us kind of stranded. We choose not to move because we don't want to make a mistake. Sometimes it's a pattern that we've noticed, and so we just don't want to do anything at all. We're just going to wait for God to make a hole appear. So the movement, if we're going to move, this is one thing I know. If we're going to go from where God, where we are now, to where God wants us to be, it requires us to move. And that movement, I believe, begins with our day-to-day -day actions. When I get asked how my day was at the end of the day, uh, it's usually one of a couple stock answers. It was good. If you know me pretty well, kind of my catchphrase, it's all good. Um, you'll hear that a lot from me. If my wife asked me how my day was, uh, usually she gets more than just good. Uh, that's called communication, and I've learned that it's a good thing. Uh, you should communicate more than just single word answers to your spouse. Uh, it's helpful. But in reading the Bible, as I'm, as I'm seeking out, like, what proper day-to-day -day work looks like, I've struggled sometimes, because there's these awesome men and women of God that have amazing stories, but 
you kind of miss the day-to-day. And I wonder, you know, what did Paul do on a random Tuesday? Especially a Tuesday he wasn't in jail, right? Like, Paul was in prison <laughs> many times. Um, and that pro- he wrote a lot of letters. I know he did that from jail. But what, what did he do on a Tuesday? What did that look like? If, if we want to shape our lives uh, after these people that were just awesome men and women of God, what does it look like? Paul was probably making tents. If you didn't know that, there's, a, there's one verse in Acts where he's staying with this couple um, and helping them build tents because they were tent makers, which was his trade also. So he made tents. Maybe he did that on a Tuesday. We aren't discussing Paul today. Uh, we're going to talk about another biblical heavy hitter and one that woke up one morning to carry out some simple tasks and ended up uh, making a big difference. So let's pray as we jump in. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for your message. I thank you for who you are in my life and everyone else's, Lord. I pray that uh, you would make my words yours and open our hearts and minds to what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So a little word, uh, word pairs. I'm going to say a word. You guys are going to say it's pair, right? So if I were to say, regarding the Bible, if I was to say Adam and Eve. Easy. Okay, this one's food. Peas and? Okay, good job. Another food one, because food. Bacon and? Yes. My wife, when I was practicing this, she was like, syrup. Uh, She likes syrup on breakfast foods. She doesn't put it on everything, but. So the last one, another Bible one, if I was to say David and? Goliath. You guys, you nailed it. Uh, Probably one of the best known biblical stories, even in the secular world, right? It's an underdog story. Everyone knows a David and Goliath story, little guy versus the big guy. Um, So just like us, David woke up on a day uh, with a task. He went about his job. He ate, you know, he repeated all the steps. Um, But I got to set up the story first. We all kind of know the story, but we'll go back with when God wasn't happy with the current king, Saul. And so he sent Samuel, the prophet, uh, to anoint a new king which was David. And we read about this in 1 Samuel 16, 13. So Samuel got the animal horn that was filled with olive oil. He anointed David in front of his brothers. From that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. And Samuel went back to Ramah. So from this, we'll talk about that later, but from this point, uh, we got to move forward to the, the fight with Goliath. Some scholars say that David was between 10 and 12 when he was anointed, and then the fight with Goliath was anywhere between 16 and 19. They kind of date that back for the Israel army conscription, which is drafting, happened at 20, and since David wasn't drafted yet, uh, he had to be under 20. That's kind of that scholarly Bible study. Um, But the Philistines had gathered for war against Israel. They were camped out across from each other. Imagine kind of two big hills, with a large valley in between. And David's three older brothers had gone with Saul to battle. So David, their dad, Jesse, wanted David to go check on him. So he sent him with a big bag of grain, 10 loaves of bread, and some of the versions say 10 cheeses. I don't know what 10 cheeses are. Uh, Another one says 10 chunks of cheese. Those specifically for David's commanders, Uh, maybe to curry favor for the brothers. Uh, But that's what David's job was from his dad. That's what his dad wanted him to do. So David arrives on the battlefield and finds 
his brothers around the same time that Goliath is doing his daily routine. So for 40 days, every morning and night, Goliath would come out and he would talk trash to Israel, basically. Uh, can I say talk trash in church? I'm gonna. I already did twice now. So um, basically slandering uh, God, the armies of Israel, Saul, uh, everybody, with the, the final challenge being, listen, you fight, send somebody to fight me. If you win, we'll serve you. If we win, you'll serve us. And David gets there about the same time that Goliath is doing that. Uh, David hears it, and it makes him angry. So he hears people talking about what Saul will do for the guy who challenges and beats Goliath. And so he starts asking questions. His brothers hear this, because at this point he's caught up with his three brothers. His brothers hear it, and they start giving him a hard time. So verse 28 when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom do you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? If I could just pause right there. At such a brother conversation, the belittling, right? Who did you leave those few, those minuscule, the minor sheep, that pointless job you have in the wilderness? Moving forward, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is, another just classic brother, you came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned to someone, turned away to someone else and brought up the same manner. And then the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. So like I said, that was definitely two brothers talking. It's, I have two older brothers, and I know there was that point where I was still in the kid phase. Basically the, hey, let's go play outside versus they had already matured into the let's go hang out outside, which is basically let's go play outside. And if we're honest, it doesn't change, right? Let's go camping. Let's go play in the woods. Um, let's, you know, for on the, the girl side, let's play dress up, you know, let's go shopping. Like it, it all just, it's all the same. But his brother's response, this is just a little extra nugget. When you're seeking clarity from others about God's path in your life, don't let someone stop you. Don't let them shut you down. Be like David. He turned away to someone else and brought it up again. Saul hears this, and he summons him. Now, we didn't read about it because there's a lot here, but Saul knows David. In the previous chapter, Saul had an evil spirit that would come and torment him. One of his servants knew of David played the liar. He played a mean liar um, and sang, and so Saul hired him to play, and it would comfort him. And then he an armor bearer. They had a relationship. Earlier in this chapter, you'll also find it says that David went back and forth between Saul's service and caring for the flock. Uh, so they have a relationship already. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. He has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, con Dios, right? Go, and the Lord be with you. Uh... And that's, you know, we know how the story ends. David fights Goliath. He beats him. So how does this help us? 
I think David did a lot of things in his day-to-day that shaped him to be able to take on Goliath. The first, and this is our first bullet point for those taking notes, you want to build confidence in God. We go back to verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And not just that passage. If we go, David wrote many of the Psalms. If we go through Psalms, Psalm 1832, God give me strength for the battle. He keeps my way secure. Psalm 16:8. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. He is at my right hand, so I will always be secure. Psalm 62:1. It is surely true that I find my rest in God. He is the one who saves me. So that's just a tiny sampling. If you go in throughout the Psalms, it's David recognizing who God is in his life and what he's done. He saw him as a rescuer and a savior. Now, the ways God has moved in my life won't necessarily help y'all out. It may be an encouragement. But we all need to take that time to take stock of what God has done in our lives and build that confidence of who he is for us and in our lives. So our, our story, I think one of the easiest ones, if you guys are looking for one to do when you leave out today... It's how did God bring you to set foot in life point for the first time? Whether that's today, whether that was several years ago, how did that happen? For Ryan and I, it was a transfer back from, a job transfer back from Virginia to Texas. We graduated college and I got a job which took me to Virginia. And Ryan, being from Texas, Texas girl, uh, was not happy with leaving Texas. Uh, my grandpa once told me he had a cousin that met a Texas girl and he never came back. Uh, so he warned me and I didn't learn. Um, Texas is great. But we moved to Virginia and I, I tell Ryan, I ask, like, give me five years to try and get us back to Texas through a transfer. Um, so it's about three and a half years in. We're both kind of getting a little antsy. And my, the, government organization I work for was moving a ton of people from kind of the headquarters area in Virginia out all across the United States. So I'm like, this is it. Look, God's timing. It's working out perfect. Uh, There's about four big offices in Texas with a bunch of little offices. So I'm like, okay, I'll just, we'll put all of them that we're okay with all of them and we'll try and get back to Texas. So submitted all my stuff, waiting to hear back. And lo and behold, what do you think we heard? No. No. There were so many openings, you guys. Like, there was probably, it was probably like an 80% chance of me getting a place in Texas, right? So I crunched all the numbers, because I like numbers, and I'm like, oh, this is great. 80% chance. We're good to go. And I was the 20 that did not get picked. So Ryan and I, a little uh, downtrodden, not knowing what God was doing. Uh, There was another opportunity in Alabama that gets us a little bit closer, but not exactly where we wanted to be. And so I I tell her I can move ahead with that. And so we start, we start moving forward with that. Then on a random Tuesday, probably, (laughs) I get a phone call from the transfer unit. And this, if you know our organization, it's hard enough to transfer anywhere, let alone getting a call from the transfer unit. Um, And they say, hey, we saw that you were okay with going to the Tyler sub-office of the Dallas office. Uh, 
if you want to, you can go. And, you know, going back to the communication with your spouse, I said, let me call my wife first. Um, and, yeah, that, that was it. That got us to Tyler. Now, fast forward, we get to Tyler. We're on our home finding trip. They give us 10 days to find a house. So anybody that's ever looked for a house, you have 10 days. Clock starts now. Go. Um, but one of those days was over a Sunday. And so we're like, oh, we should, we should check out what, uh, one of the churches that we want to see. And we had picked one, and we get there about the 1045 service. We get there about, I don't know, it was like 1030. And we're, I'm sitting outside, and I'm just not feeling, I'm not feeling it. Um, I didn't want to go in. And I tell Ryan this, and she's like, well, you know, it's, it's like 1035 now. Where, what are we going to do? Like, all the places start at 1045. How are we going to drive all the way across Tyler uh, and make it to church? So enter LifePoint with an 11 a.m. service. Uh, I'm not saying it was there just for me, but uh, it was awesome. So that, that's our story. That's, I, that's how we came to LifePoint. But I can look back through all of that, doors closing, disappointment, and see God moving in our lives to get us where we are today. I think another key takeaway for this, and this one David understood, is just because of his anointing, his confidence in relationship with God, didn't mean he didn't understand another lion or bear could show up. I think all too often, we get it in our heads that we're doing something and sometimes it's not all our faults doctrine gets twisted the idea that it's a quid pro quo god of this for that if i do this then god should respond with that um can you imagine if david got annoyed if after he was anointed and serving saul he went back to care for the sheep and he's like what what is this lion doing does he not understand who i am like it, it doesn't make sense, right? It, it doesn't make sense for us to have that kind of attitude when doors close and when plans change. So that's my encouragement, to build confidence in God. That's what we want to do. We want to look back at how God has moved in our lives. There's another point on David's day-to-day, -day, is he was prepared. We want to be prepared. Now keep in mind, as we talk about David's preparedness, he did not wake up the morning of killing Goliath knowing that he was going to kill Goliath. He didn't know that he was going to fight Goliath. He didn't know he was going to fight anybody, yet he was prepared. Now, how did, how did he do this, right? His day-to-day. -day, Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. If you stop right there, that's kind of like, how, Those aren't the skills you... Keeping your father's sheep. We're talking about fighting this big nine-foot-nine nine guy. Like, what? You've been keeping sheep. Uh, but he continues, When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. David didn't know when a lion or bear would show up, but he was ready 
if they did. He was prepared. I think about how David carried out his job. He chased after it. The sheeps that were taken. Sheep that were taken. <laughs> Chasing after the animal, saving the sheep. If I was a parent, I mean, I am a parent, but like if I was David's dad and my child said, yeah, I chased a lion today because it took one of the sheep and I killed it. <laughs> now, I have my two kids, Maddie and Bethany, and I, I can see Maddie doing this. Bethany would think it through a little bit more. But my response as a parent, like, what were you thinking? The classic answer is, I can always get another sheep. I can't get another you, right? But how proud would I also be of that, that effort that was put forward, chasing after, understanding the importance of the job, and working day in and day out to do the best job possible. We all have things in our day-to-day that we are doing. What are we chasing after? What are we protecting? What are we working towards? What are we going above and beyond for? I know for me, some of my... the challenging things I can ask myself, I have two, as a parent... Am I chasing after being the best parent I can be? Loving my kids the way that God loves me? Always speaking truth to them? Am I I doing that job fully? Or am I phoning it in? Am I being a David on the job? Or somebody else? Another one that that challenges me is, as a worker, am I giving 100% in my job? Maybe the more telling question for all of us is what is that thing that we know we're not giving 100% towards? Colossians 3.23 says, Work at everything you do with all your heart. Work as if you were working for the Lord, not for human masters. So David had no idea that the job he was doing as a shepherd would turn into what it did, conquering Goliath. But every day, he slung the rocks, he cared for the sheep, probably sang to them, played the lyre. And he fought off lions and bears. And he grew in those skills that God gave him, and it prepared him to fight a giant. I don't have the verses for you, uh, but after this, Saul tries to give David his armor. And it's clunky. It doesn't fit right. It's, It's not for David. So don't hear me wrong. So there's nothing wrong with seeking wisdom from others. The Bible says there's, counsel, there's wisdom in the counsel of many. But understand that David knew how he should fight that battle, and Saul had an idea of how David should fight that battle. Don't let someone else's idea of God's path for your life change God's path for your life. If I could have the band join me on stage. David takes his sling and shepherd's staff, which he had on him because he was prepared. He walks down. He takes five stones, not because he would need all five, but because he had a pouch. And I'm guessing that's how many times, like that's how many stones would fill his pouch. And he was prepared, so he put all the stones that would go in his pouch. 
He walks down, and Goliath yells at him. Come over here, he said. I'll feed your body to the birds of the air. I'll feed it to the wild animals. First time I read that, I, I had a serious uh, macho man Randy Savage vibe, if you guys are familiar with wrestling, uh, fake or real, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, come over here, he said. Nine foot nine guy, if anybody's like yelling that at me, I, and I'm, I'm not small by any means, but uh, man, I'll feed your body to the birds of the air. I'll feed it to the wild animals. Now listen, listen to David's response. The confidence, the preparation. David said to Goliath, you're coming to fight against me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord who rules over all. He is the God of the armies of Israel. He's the one you have dared to fight against. This very day, the Lord will hand you over to me. I'll strike you down. I'll cut your head off. This very day, I'll feed the bodies of the Philistine armies to the birds of the air. I'll feed them to the wild animals. Then the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. I love how he takes what Goliath said, you know, I'll feed your body to the birds and to the wild animals, and David just flips it, you know, like my body, I'll feed all the bodies of the Philistine army <laughs> to the birds and to the wild animals. Did you feel the confidence in those words as he was approaching that fight? Just like he was fighting another wild beast, right? There's one last thing that David held on to and carried with him through his day-to-day -day and into this battle. We go back to his anointing. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. David's anointing had to play a part in how he moved forward every day the knowledge that he was God's chosen when he faced difficult situations David could hold tight to that and charge forward knowing that God was with him the last thing we all need to do is acknowledge our anointing 2 Corinthians 1 21 Paul talking to the Corinthians in a letter. He makes both us and you remain strong in the faith because we belong to Christ. He anointed us. He put his spirit in our hearts and marked us as his own. We can now be sure that he will give us everything he promised. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, the Bible says all that takes, Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've done that, you have the anointing that Paul is talking about. Acknowledging that anointing changes everything. You carry God with you, his spirit into every situation, every battle, every unknown scary doctor's appointment, every car wreck, every 2 a.m. phone call. You'll wake in the morning unsure 
what God has next for you, but ready to move further into his plan for you, whatever that may bring. I found that the secret isn't knowing the exact time, place, date of God's plan for us. That's always going to be a mystery. But moving every day, recognizing what he has done already, building that confidence in him. What he's done, what he will do. I encourage you, when you leave here today, have that conversation. Talk to somebody about it. Not everybody has a story yet. Because of that, they need to hear yours. They need to hear it. If you don't have a story yet, there's one thing I know for sure. If you have breath in your lungs, God's not done with you. Work to build that confidence, recognizing what he's done. In your day-to-day, through your job, in your relationships, be prepared. Do the work. Do it as unto the Lord, like he's your boss. And when giants come along, you'll grab your five stones, and it'll take one. Lastly, I still think most importantly, acknowledging your anointing. Walking through life as an anointed child of God with his spirit in your heart loving the way Jesus loved. He marked us as his own. So it's your move onto God's path. I believe if you work at those three things, you'll find that no matter where you're going, God's path is right under your feet. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are in my life. I thank you for the things you've done and the things you will do. Your faithfulness. As a song we sang, Lord, the faithfulness of you that we can count on you every day. I thank you for the jobs and opportunities that I've been given. And I pray that I wouldn't squander them, Lord. I pray that I would make the most of every opportunity I'm given. Lastly, Lord, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And I thank you for your spirit that you've given us if we've accepted it, Lord. I pray as we go out of here today, Lord, that you would just carry us forward. Help us to to see you 
and grow closer to you every day, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.